Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen and my co-host is Katie. Even though we normally make an attempt at a funny intro for each episode, we have a serious topic we want to address first. Because while we love Harry Potter, we do not condone or agree with its creator's ignorant opinions. The more the author decides to sample the flavor of her foot the more and more we want to dissociate from her. But as we've had this name from before she really showed her true colors, the rebranding is a huge and daunting undertaking. Though allies to the trans community, we acknowledge that we didn't fully understand how triggering our name could be. And now that it has been brought to our attention and in light of Quidditch changing their name, We have decided that we want to follow suit and distance ourselves from using the name Rowling. It has always been our goal to create a safe and welcoming environment for everyone, and we acknowledge that we can't fully do that with our current name. She may have given us this series, but Harry Potter belongs to all of us now, and we want as many people as possible to feel comfortable enjoying the series that brings us so much joy. We will be keeping our Phoenix logo and our typical format for episodes going forward. We just really want to be sure that our name does not align us in any way with views that are hurtful to the trans community. We have a couple of name ideas in mind and we'll be posting a poll on social media to give you an opportunity to vote on your favorite. That being said... This episode is also special because it's brought to you by an exceptional patron of ours, Megan Slater. You may recognize her name from many of her recent trivia winnings, but she so generously asked to sponsor an episode for us, and we are thrilled to count her as a patron. You'll get to hear a bit more about her when we share her sorting hat story at the end of the episode, and we also have an audio clip from her. But we also just wanted to take a moment to share our thanks and love to Megan for sponsoring this now extremely special episode. Yes. But now that we've got that out of the way, let's just go back to being funny. Why start now? Just do the rehash, would you? Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. After a really shitty Quidditch practice... The Slytherin earworm kept a hold of our hero's brain. Percy was a long-winded prat. Ron had a really rough weekend and apparently isn't even allowed to eat breakfast. Hermione decided that homework help is the best way to say, Sorry your brother sucks. Sirius confirmed Umbridge's twat status, but got upset that Harry doesn't have the risky streak his dad did. And, while movie McGonagall could have been considered somewhat out of character... Pepto Bitch Mall's inveterate proclivity towards being a complete and utter quimwomble was never in question. During episode 143, Prejud Iceberg, our Potter pondering was, how did you take McGonagall's step down from Umbridge? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter pondering. How do I feel about McGonagall taking a step down from Professor Umbridge in this little, you know, 
made up altercation. Honestly, y'all, I didn't even notice that shit to this fucking podcast. Thank you for giving me something else to be slightly disturbed about. Ellen, thanks. Because I, I didn't know. I was just here for the pettiness. I was here for this altercation, this back and forth, this McGonagall, McGonagallin all the way through. You hear me? I was loving it. I was feeling it. Even though, you know, the movie just like to fuck shit up. Like McGonagall didn't have plenty of professionally petty moments between Umbridge to pull from. From an authentic written material. But it's cool. It's cool. Because at this point, we on, we on movie five, y'all. We used to them just doing shit and fucking shit up. If you're going to make some shit up, this type of shit I like to see. You know? Like, what... Come on now, McGonagall, McGonagall in. Yes, let's do more of that. Let's do more of that. I'm okay with this. This is cool. But I, I, it never even really put two and two together. I was just happy that the scene was there, kind of, sort of, in a way. I never noticed until now. Thank you for putting a little damper on my parade, Ellen. Thank you. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie Jackson here with this week's Pot of Pondering. So... What do I think of McGonagall's step down on Umbridge? Well, you know what? It's like my last pondering. I like it, but I don't. I see both sides here. I agree that it makes McGonagall look like she would back off from Dolores, which, you know, we all know is bull. But then again, I see the other side too, that maybe she was just so incredulous by what Umbridge said that, yeah, that she was just taken aback and took a step back by that. So that's my thoughts. Hey, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering for this week. How did I take McGonagall's step down from Umbridge? McGonagall backs down from no one. They cut out, do you need a cough drop, Dolores? And I do not generally permit people to talk while I'm talking telling Umbridge to her face that she is in a competent defense against the Dark Arts teacher. The reason she is confronting Umbridge in the first place is because of the student torture. Look, McGonagall was such a badass and would never back down. But she especially would never back down when it came to the safety of her students. We are talking about the badass witch who took four setting spells to the chest in defense of Hagrid, right? She backed down from that toad phase, bitch. I don't think so. There are a lot of things that are added or changed in these movies that I can understand or forgive, but this is not one of them. I understand Katie's point of view on this scene, but I'm nitpicking along with Ellen. The visual of McGonagall giving that bitch the high ground, perhaps if it didn't take place on the stairs and we could see that McGonagall was like, there's no reasoning with this narcissistic sociopath, but the literal step down is what makes it really bad to me. Like I said, all these scenes from the book where Umbridge was sassy with Umbridge in the best way ever. This is the scene they chose to write for the movie. The disrespect and disregard of how badass and authoritative she is is really disappointing. Just Minerva McGonagall would never. Bye! Hey guys, Mike calling into the Potter Pondering talking about McGonagall stepping down from Umbridge, and I am 100% on Ellen's side for this. Sorry, Katie. 
like especially in the books where McGonagall in her classroom assessment thing, she was very no nonsense, like not putting up with any of Umbridge's bullshit. Very like know your place as such as it is. Whatever magic you managed to pull off, you're still you know nothing to me. Nah. And then also later on when they're having the discussion about Perry's future. And she just straight up, like, throws it back in her face. Yeah, no, McGonagall would never really step down to Umbridge, like, even symbolically on a staircase like that. That's just not who McGonagall is. She would fight that lady, like, with her fists if she really had to, although she, of course, wouldn't have to because her sass is legendary. Anyway, that's it for me. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for your responses. Those are some good ones. Our trivia question last week was... What are the different wizarding grade letters and what do they stand for? In the wizarding world, O is for outstanding, E for exceeds expectations, A for acceptable, P for poor, D for dreadful, and supposedly T for troll, but that might still just be a joke. Yeah, we're not sure. Yeah. Congratulations goes to our episode sponsor, Megan Slater. She is bound and determined to catch up to Mike's streak and probably beat it. Wonder if she's going to be able to do it. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor, Part 1. Harry, Ron, and Hermione figure they will have to comb the Daily Prophet to find the article Percy was referring to in his letter. But the moment Hermione flattens the paper, they find a large photograph of Dolores Umbridge smiling up at them and the headline, Ministry Seeks Educational Reform, Dolores Umbridge Appointed First Ever High Inquisitor. Harry darkly wonders what that means, and Hermione reads the article aloud. It's full of quotes from Percy Weasley, mentioning some of the things he did to his letter and Ron, but also including more detail about how uneasy the minister has been growing about the goings-on at Hogwarts, and about complaints from anxious parents. He is also quoted calling Umbridge an immediate success, which causes Harry to loudly proclaim, She's been a what? Hermione grimly tells him there's more and continues to read that she has totally revolutionized the teaching of Defense Against the Dark Arts and provides the minister with feedback about what is really happening at Hogwarts. He also describes how Educational Decree number 23 creates the High Inquisitor position, which gives her the power to inspect her fellow educators to make sure they're coming up to scratch. The article claims that parents are enthusiastically supportive of the minister's new moves, quoting Lucius Malfoy's relief that Dumbledore is being subjected to fair and objective evaluation, since many of them have been concerned about his eccentric decisions in the last few years. The article references the controversial staff appointments of werewolf Remus Lupin, half-giant Rubius Hagrid, and delusional ex-Auror Mad-Eye Moody, as well as mentions the rumors that Dumbledore is no longer up to the task of managing Hogwarts. In addition to the Dumbledore slander, the article also shares that Wizengamot elders Griselda Marchbanks and Tiberius Ogden have both resigned in protest, 
but then also goes on to direct readers to an article about Madame Marchbank's alleged links to subversive goblin groups. Hermione finishes reading and says that now they know how they ended up with Umbridge and that she can't believe they're also giving her the power to inspect other teachers, calling it outrageous. Harry agrees, but the two are surprised to see a smile spreading over Ron's face. They ask him what in unison, and Ron explains that he's really looking forward to seeing Umbridge inspect McGonagall, since she won't know what hit her. Hermione then jumps up and rushes them off to class, not wanting to be late to History of Magic in case she's inspecting Professor Binns, but she is not there or in Snape's dungeon for double potions, where Harry gets his Moonstone essay back with a large D scrawled in the upper corner. Snape addresses the class about the abysmal standard of that homework, stating that he expects more for this week's essay on the various varieties of venom antidotes, or he will have to start handing out detentions to the dunces who get D's. Malfoy obnoxiously whispers about some people getting D's, and as Harry notices Hermione trying to sideline glance at his grade, he shoves the essay into his bag as quickly as possible. Determined not to give Snape a reason to fail him this lesson, he rereads every line of instructions at least three times. In the end, his potion isn't the clear turquoise of Hermione's, but it is at least blue rather than pink like Neville's, and he did actually get to turn it in. As they leave the classroom to head to lunch, Hermione makes leading comments about the lesson and the homework, trying to get information about Ron and Harry's grades, until Ron finally tells her just to ask if she wants to know what grades they got. She stammers that they can tell her if they want, and Ron says he got a P. The twins and Lee Jordan join them at the Gryffindor table, and Fred says there's nothing wrong with a good healthy P. Hermione is confused by this, asking about P standing for poor, which Lee confirms and then says is still better than a D for dreadful. Harry fakes a coughing fit, which he emerges from to find Hermione in a full flow about OWL grades, listing off O for outstanding, saying A next and having George correct her, reminding her about E for exceeds expectations. Hermione repeats E, then moves on to A for acceptable, calling it the last passing grade. Ron joins in to say P for poor while raising his arms in mock triumph, then D for dreadful. George reminds him about T, surprising Hermione who wonders what it stands for. He promptly replies troll, which makes Harry laugh, though he isn't quite sure Fred is joking and imagines trying to conceal receiving a T from Hermione and immediately resolves to work harder. Fred changes the subject to ask if they've had an inspected lesson yet and tells them that they just had one in Charms. Harry and Hermione both ask what it was like, and he says that it wasn't that bad. She mostly just lurked in the corner making notes, then asked Alicia a couple of questions about what class was usually like, and that was it. George doesn't think Flitwick will get marked down, since he usually gets everyone through their exams all right. But then Fred changes the subject again, asking Harry who they have in the afternoon. Harry tells them Trelawney, and then Umbridge herself and George reminds him to be a good boy and keep his temper with her, since Angelina will lose her mind if he misses any more Quidditch practices. As it turns out, Harry doesn't have to wait until Defense Against the Dark Arts to see Umbridge, since she shows up to divination to observe Trelawney. 
The entire class falls silent as she emerges from the trap door and asks if Trelawney got her note about the date and time of her inspection. Professor Trelawney gives her a curt nod and continues to hand out books before starting class by shakily saying they are going to continue their study of prophetic dreams. She tells them to divide into pairs and to start interpreting each other's latest nighttime visions using the oracle. She then starts to move back to her seat but sees Umbridge next to it and instead moves towards Lavender and Parvati. Harry opens his copy of the Dream Oracle while covertly watching Umbridge making notes on her clipboard. After a few minutes, she gets up and begins to follow Trelawney around the room, listening to her conversations with students and asking some questions of her own. He tells Ron to think of a dream quick in case the old toad comes their way, but Ron complains that he did it last time and says it's Harry's turn. Harry doesn't remember dreaming anything in the last few days and suggests that they say he dreamt he was drowning Snape in his cauldron. Ron laughs as he opens his book and tries to decide if the subject of the dream would be drowning, cauldron, or Snape. Harry tells him it doesn't matter, just pick one, still watching Trelawney and Umbridge. They are only a table away from them now, and Harry can hear her ask Trelawney how long she's been in the post. Trelawney scowls and resentfully tells her that it's been nearly 16 years. Umbridge follows up, commenting on the length and confirming that it was Dumbledore who appointed her. Trelawney tells her that's right, and Umbridge makes a note before asking that she is the great-great-granddaughter of the celebrated seer Cassandra Trelawney. Trelawney confirms this as well, and Umbridge states that she's the first in her family since Cassandra to possess second sight. After Trelawney tells her that these things often skip three generations, Umbridge makes another note, then asks her to predict something for her. Trelawney looks up at her and clutches her shawl, saying she doesn't understand, and Umbridge again repeats that she wants her to make a prediction for her. A scandalized Trelawney insists that the inner eye does not see on command, and Umbridge makes yet another note while softly saying, I see. At this, Trelawney makes an effort to regain her usual ethereal voice and says that she thinks she does see something, something dark, some grave peril. She dramatically declares that Umbridge is in grave danger, but the High Inquisitor is not impressed and just continues to scribble her note before turning away. Harry and Ron exchange looks. They both know that Trelawney is an old fraud, but loathe Umbridge so much that they can't help but be on Trelawney's side. That is, until she swoops down on them and snaps to see their start on their dream diary. She interprets all of Harry's dreams at the top of her voice, which all foretell a gruesome and early death, and he begins to feel much less sympathetic towards her. The whole time, Umbridge continues taking notes, but when the bell rings, she's the first one down the ladder and is waiting for them, humming and smiling when they reach their defense against the dark arts lesson ten minutes later. Umbridge starts class by again telling them to put their wands away, and the few students hopeful enough to take them out sadly return them to their bags. She tells them to turn to page 19 and start chapter 2, Common Defensive Theories and Their Derivation, and again informs them that there will be no need to talk. She smiles her wide, self-satisfied smile and returns to her desk as the entire class gives an audible sigh while turning to page 19. 
Harry wonders if there are enough chapters in the book to get them through the school year and is about to check when he sees that Hermione has her hand in the air again. This time, Umbridge decides to walk around to her desk and whisper to her to prevent the whole class from hearing, asking what it is this time. Hermione tells her that she's already read chapter two and ultimately ends up informing her that she's read the entire book. Umbridge blinks but recovers almost immediately and says if that's the case, she should be able to tell her what Slinkhard says about counter jinxes in chapter 15. Without missing a beat, Hermione says that he thinks counter jinxes are improperly named and that it's just a name people give to their jinxes when they want to make them sound more acceptable. This seems to impress Umbridge against her will, though her gaze also becomes distinctly colder as Hermione continues on saying that she disagrees. Still whispering, Umbridge questions her disagreement and not whispering at all, Hermione clearly announces that Mr. Slinkhard doesn't like jinxes, but she thinks they can be very useful when they're used defensively. Umbridge gives up whispering and straightens herself, informing Hermione that it is Mr. Slinkhard's opinion and not hers that matters within the classroom. Hermione begins to argue this, but Umbridge cuts her off to take five points away from Gryffindor, causing the class to begin muttering. Harry flat out asks what for, and Umbridge decides to answer that it's for interrupting her class with pointless interruptions, since she's there to teach them using a ministry-approved method that does not involve inviting students to give their opinions on matters about which they understand very little. Their previous teachers may have given them more license, but with the exception of Quirrell, who at least stuck to age-appropriate subjects, none of their other teachers would have passed a ministry inspection. This bit of information causes Harry to loudly blurt out that Quirrell was a great teacher, aside from the minor drawback of having Lord Voldemort sticking out the back of his head. After one of the loudest silences Harry has ever heard, Umbridge tells him that she thinks he needs another week of detentions. The movie section starts out on a large peg being nailed into the wall, where Filch hangs a plaque for Educational Decree Number 23, proclaiming Dolores Jane Umbridge to be the High Inquisitor. This then basically launches into a montage of Professor Umbridge in all her High Inquisitor glory, showing a Daily Prophet article about her appointment and using the image from the article to transition into a shot of Umbridge at Hogwarts, getting her photograph taken by a cluster of photographers, before rotating back out of the article to show other articles written and panning over to an interview with Cornelius Fudge about the position, as he can be heard in voiceover. The camera again zooms into the moving picture and the prophet, transitioning the shot to Fudge being interviewed at the ministry. The montage then shifts to Umbridge strutting through the corridors and using magic to force a pair of necking teenagers apart. It then cuts to her observing and interrupting Professor Trelawney's lesson, then back to the corridors where she again uses magic to fix a trio of boys' untucked shirts and loosened ties. The montage continues to show Umbridge observing Snape in a potions lesson and asking him about unsuccessfully applying for the Defense Against the Dark Arts post, as Ron snickers at Snape's sardonic response of, Obviously. As Umbridge leaves the potions dungeon, Snape whacks Ron on the head before the scene shifts to a crowd watching the Weasley twins toss a magical spark between them until Umbridge shows up and vanishes the spark with her wand. 
Continuing with the montage, Filch hangs another plaque and the camera shows him climbing the ladder, giving a view of many more plaques hanging on the wall. Then switching to specifically show Umbridge smugly walking up the aisle of her classroom. That slightly fades into Educational Decree number 30, banning all Weasley products. Then Educational Decree number 45, declaring that proper dress and decorum is to be maintained at all times. It fades back to Umbridge, then cuts to Filch holding the wooden ladder over his shoulder and turning to inspect his handiwork as a large group of students duck to avoid being hit by the spinning ladder. Next in the montage is a return to the divination classroom where Umbridge asks a flabbergasted Trelawney to predict something for her. It then cuts to Professor Flitwick conducting the choir as Umbridge walks around him and pulls out a magical tape measure to see how tall he is before shifting back to Umbridge still pressuring Trelawney to make a prediction for her. Harry and Ron watch unamused as Umbridge says, Pity, and begins to make a mark on her clipboard before Trelawney tells her to wait and stammers that she does see something, something dark, and declares that she is in grave danger. Umbridge says, Lovely, marks on her clipboard, and walks out of the room as Trelawney stares after her in confusion. So this is interesting for us because it's the first time that we've ever had a ton of similarities that we can't really line up. Yeah, like they're there, sure. But what are they doing there? Do you know? Because I don't know. It's something. So we'll talk about it. We're going to have to once again go through the book section. And then go through the movie section and kind of bring it back to the book section where it ties in. Yes. This is something. This is definitely something. Mm -hmm. But the book chapter starts off with just bam. They are down at breakfast. Hermione gets her copy of the Daily Prophet. And they think that they're going to have to dig through it to find the article that (laughs) Percy is referring to. Because... Every time they want to find information, it's buried. Granted, they're normally looking for things that are slandering Harry. Now, Percy's letter did a lot of slandering Harry, so it stands to reason that that's what they were expecting, and therefore they would have figured it would be buried. Right, yeah. But instead, they get slapped in the face. All bold headline. Yep. Ministry seeks educational reform. Dolores Umbridge appointed first ever high inquisitor. Dun, dun, dun. And it also is this very, very, very large photograph of Dolores Umbridge. Of course. Bam. Whole front page. There is no digging. Bam. Big old cunt right there. First thing you see. Yep. They did the job for the architects here. (laughs) Yeah. But they read that title and wonder, what's a high inquisitor? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you asked, Carrie. Allow me to read the article (laughs) aloud as if I am Hermione. So like yourself. Right. (laughs) In a surprise move last night, the Ministry of Magic passed new legislation giving itself an unprecedented level of control at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. The minister has been growing uneasy about going-ons at Hogwarts for some time, said junior assistant to the minister, Percy Weasley. He's now responding to concerns voiced by anxious parents who feel the school may be moving in a direction they do not approve. This is not the first time in recent weeks Fudge has used new laws to effect improvements at the wizarding school. 
As recently as August 30th, Educational Decree 22 was passed to ensure in the event of the current headmaster being unable to provide a candidate for a teaching post, the ministry should select an appropriate person. That's how Dolores Umbridge came to be appointed to the teaching staff at Hogwarts, said Weasley last night. Dumbledore couldn't find anyone, so the minister put in Umbridge, and of course, she's been an immediate success. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> this blows Harry's mind. Also, as immediate success and Dolores Umbridge don't belong in the same sentence, unless you're talking about reasons to believe that maybe Snape isn't so bad. Yeah. You know, he's, he's actually quite cuddly. Right? All things considered. Yeah. I feel like Umbridge was immediately successful in convincing us that Snape is not the worst teacher at Hogwarts. Right? At least he knows something about his subject. Right? She definitely convinced me that no matter how bad things are, they can always get worse. Totally successful at that. But Hermione tells him to save some of that sass for the rest of the article and keeps reading. Oh, Harry's got plenty of sass to go around. Don't worry about it. True story. <laughs> so she's been an immediate success, totally revolutionizing the teaching of Defense Against the Dark Arts and providing the minister with on-the-ground feedback about what's really happening at Hogwarts. Wow. Yeah. It is this last function that the ministry has now formalized with the passing of Educational Decree 23, which creates the new position of Hogwarts High Inquisitor. So here's the answer to Harry's question. Yep, there it is. This is an exciting new phase in the minister's plan to get to grips with what some are calling the falling standards at Hogwarts, said Weasley. The Inquisitor will have powers to inspect her fellow educators and make sure that they are coming up to scratch. Professor Umbridge has been offered this position in addition to her own teaching post, and we are delighted to say that she has accepted. Ugh. The Ministry's new moves have received enthusiastic support from parents of students at Hogwarts. Side note, I love that they claim from parents and then go to quote, one parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One parent who has previously been fired from the school board, mind you. One very biased parent. Right? Because then the article goes on, I feel much easier in my mind now that I know that Dumbledore is being subjected to fair and objective evaluation, said Mr. Lucius Malfoy, 41, speaking from his Wiltshire mansion last night. Many of us with our children's best interests at heart have been concerned about some of Dumbledore's eccentric decisions in the last few years and will be glad to know that the ministry is keeping an eye on the situation. Wow, dude. Now, I'm wondering, did he talk directly out of his ass for this? Or, like, it was a ventriloquist kind of deal? You think that the reporter stuck his hand? No, the minister. The minister yeah. stuck his oh, hand yeah. up his ass oh, yeah. and moved his mouth for him? There was, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely getting some Kermit vibes. <laughs> Among those eccentric decisions are undoubtedly the controversial staff appointments previously described in this newspaper, which have included the hiring of werewolf Remus Lupin, half-giant Rubius Hagrid, and delusional ex-Auror Mad-Eye Moody. I mean, to be fair, we don't know what Mad-Eye would have really done as a teacher. So there's that. Right. Like, he could have been just fine, and it wasn't really him the whole time. 
And second right? off, fuck, fuck you. you, man. <laughs> fuck you. Big old fuck you. <laughs> Rumors abound, of course, that Albus Dumbledore, once supreme mugwump of the International Confederation of Wizards and chief warlock of the Wizengamot, is no longer up to the task of managing the prestigious school of Hogwarts. I think the appointment of the Inquisitor is a first step towards ensuring that Hogwarts has a headmaster in whom we can all repose confidence, said a ministry insider last night, which I just read that as a.k.a. fudge. Right, yeah. Wizengamot elders Griselda Marchbanks and Tiberius Ogden have resigned in protest at the introduction of the post of Inquisitor to Hogwarts. Hogwarts is a school, not an outpost of Cornelius Fudge's office, said Madame Marchbanks. This is a further disgusting attempt to discredit Albus Dumbledore. For a full account of Madame Marchbanks' alleged links to subversive goblin groups, turn to page 17. Oh, isn't that just convenient? Yeah, strong conclusion there. Mm-hmm. Not suspicious at all. No, no. Or manipulative. No. <laughs> or downright shitty. Or it's all three of those things. I think I'm confused and it's actually all three of those things. You know what? You know what it might be? It's all three at once. So I think that's why you you got confused. Yeah. Overload. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Hermione finishes reading this article and it's like, well, now we know how we ended up with Pepto Bitch Mall. Mm -hmm. And she is just floored that they're giving her the power to inspect other teachers in it. I get this because as a teacher, when you take somebody who has no idea what it is actually like to be a teacher beyond the one week that she's been a terrible teacher (laughs) and you say, okay, now you tell all of the other teachers how they're supposed to do their job. There is not a teacher in the world that's going to be like, yes, please teach me. Yeah. Or maybe fucking learn from me. Right. I mean, I feel like that does actually go for all jobs, but I feel like especially teachers because that's one of those jobs where everybody has an opinion. On how it should be done and nobody fucking understands unless they're on the ground. And they don't listen to us. No. Honestly, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a female majority Mm -hmm. profession. Yeah. But that is another discussion. (laughs) Right. Moving forward before that blows up. (laughs) Right. I could make a whole podcast out of that. Right. (laughs) But Hermione thinks that giving Umbridge the power to inspect other teachers is outrageous. And Harry's just like, that is so outrageous. And Ron is grinning. Hmm. And they're like, Ron, did you listen to the same article that I listened to? Like, what? Why are you smiling? And Ron's just like, I just can't wait to see Umbridge inspect McGonagall because she's not going to know what hit her. Which, I mean, fair play. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things. Right? Let's be honest, we kind of, like, want there to be a bad guy just so there's someone from McGonagall to sass. That's me personally. I don't know. Especially (laughs) Maggie Smith as McGonagall. Although book McGonagall is fucking phenomenal, too. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I totally get Ron here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it is a little bit like he's trying to find the silver lining behind this, like, dark cloud that's fucking being overcast on them. But... It's a pretty good silver lining. I'm not going to lie. It really is. Yeah. Especially when we get to that moment. We'll get to talk more about it then. Yeah. So this whole thing absolutely gets referenced in the movie, but it's so streamlined. 
extremely streamlined, extremelined, if you will. You know what? That could have just been the title of the movie. <laughs> it is going to be the title of this episode, so. <laughs> well, there we go. But yes, in such an extremelined way that we can't really talk about it where it lines up with the book chapter. And I, I mean, we're just going to have to address it at the end of the book section because I don't really know how else to do this. Yeah, and the extreme lining does leave out some other aspects as well. So, like I said, mm. we're just going to go through this half of the book chapter first and double back as we talk about the corresponding film scenes. Yeah, because what else are we going to do? Right? <laughs> Quit the podcast. Hell no. You would never let me. I would never let you. <laughs> mm -hmm. She also doesn't want to. Keep telling yourself that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So one of the things that gets left out is basically the student perspective of these observations. You get like the occasional camera shot on their faces in reaction. Yeah. But right after reading this article and talking about all of this, Hermione's just like, we need to go. We need to get to class. What if Umbridge is inspecting Professor Binns? We don't want to be late when that happens. Mm -hmm. And she's not there. So Hermione freaks out for nothing. It's kind of her thing. <laughs> She also is not in Snape's class for potions. Mm -hmm. But we do learn that Harry got a D on his Moonstone essay. Oh, no. And then we also get to see a lovely speech from Snape as he addresses the abysmal standard of the homework. <laughs> Doing his usual, I expect more effort for this week's essay which is going to be on the various varieties of venom antidotes. So Snape obviously appreciates alliteration also. He really does. That's some high quality alliteration. Pretty impressive. Kind of tough to mm -hmm. say. Various varieties of venom. I mean, it's also kind of feels redundant, various varieties, but it makes sense, I guess. If somebody fails a potion essay again, in addition to a deed, they're also going to get detentions. So D's plus D's. And for the alliteration's sake, let me read the whole thing. He's going to start handing out detentions to the dunces who get D's. D's nuts. Sorry. D's knuts. D's knuts. And that makes Malfoy do one of those like really obnoxious stage whispers. Some mm -hmm. people got D's. Yeah. And Harry sees Hermione trying to like sideline glance. She's doing like the, the like neck stretch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to see what grade Harry got. And Harry just like grabs it and quickly shoves it down in his bag. Like, nope, I am not <laughs> sharing this information with anyone. We are not dealing with that right now. Thank you. And because he doesn't want to have to deal with it again, he rereads every single line of directions for a potions class like three times. Like, okay, okay, I definitely did that. Mm -hmm. Okay, 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 definitely did that. And by the end of class, he has managed to make a blue potion when it's supposed to end up being turquoise. I mean, that's not far off. But on the plus side, it is not pink like Neville's. So still doing better than the worst. Yes, there's something to that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the fastest one to outrun the bear. You just have to be faster than the slowest. That's really exactly. all it is. You know. <laughs> But then the key thing here is he actually was able to turn the assignment in. Well, that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he wasn't able to last time. They then leave class and they head back to the Great Hall so they can get some lunch. And the entire way, Hermione's just like, 
Oh, the homework. I mean, of course, I would have been really pleased if I had gotten an O, but I mean, but I guess what I got was pretty good. And Mm -hmm. Ron is finally like, if you want to know what grade we got, just ask us. Yeah. She's Oh, well, I mean, if you want to tell me that, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to listen. <laughs> oh, are we going to talk about that? Because, cause, I mean, that's fine by me. I was just, you know, we don't have to. But, uh, you know, I would like that. What'd you get? <laughs> exactly. And Ron confesses that he got a P. Mm-hmm. And right at this moment, the twins and Lee Jordan join him at the table. Of course they do. So they walk up just in time to hear Ron say he got a pee, and Fred says, there's nothing wrong with a good, healthy pee. Oh, they love me. <laughs> Which I <laughs> the tw- gotta think that they worded it that way on purpose. Oh, you know they did. It's the twins. Of course they did. Because really, at their core, they are basically me. Well, yeah. <laughs> but not having the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy, Hermione is just confused by this and asks, doesn't P stand for poor? Mm. To which Lee says, well, yeah, but it's still better than D for dreadful. Awkward. But this makes Harry fake a coughing fit, which, come on, Harry, no, you're not fooling anyone. No, dude, very obvious. It was very obvious. And then by the time he stops coughing, he wishes that he could have kept coughing because Hermione is just full flow talking about the different OWL grades, listing off O for outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then she says A next, which honestly makes me think Snape gave her an A on her Moonstone essay. Yeah. Because if she had gotten an E, she would have remembered E. Yeah, it would have been at the forefront of her mind, definitely. So I think that Snape gave her an acceptable. And in this moment... Hermione just realized that she got the lowest of the passing grades, and that's got a sting. Yep. But just a thought. Just a random thought I had when I was summarizing this. What she thought was a B is really more like a C-. minus. Yeah. So. And it's actually George who corrects her, and he reminds her about the E for exceeds expectations. I like to think that she's like, yeah, I was getting there. God, okay. You don't have to shout it out. I think that's basically what she did because she's just like, yeah, E and then A for acceptable. Mm -hmm. And she calls that the last passing grade, like I said, which I think this is the moment where she's like realizing what just happened to her. Yeah. Because she kind of stops talking and Ron joins in and he's just like, then it's P for poor. And he just like (laughs) puts his hands up in the air like he's celebrating his poor grade. Yeah. And then D for (laughs) dreadful. George is like, don't forget T, <laughs> which makes Hermione say, there's something worse than D. <gasps> oh, Hermione. What does T stand for? Fred promptly tells him that T stands for troll, <laughs> which makes Harry start laughing, although at the same time, he's kind of like, is Fred joking or is tea really a thing? And I need to do better on my grades. I don't ever want to have to try to hide the fact that I got a tea yeah. from Hermione. Which, I mean, me personally, I'd be like, oh, sweet. If there's one lower than D, then I'm set. Like, at least I didn't get that one. Right? Okay. I didn't do the worst. Yeah. 
I also kind of wonder if there is a T, does it stand for troll or is that the joke and it actually stands for like terrible or something? I almost kind of think that there is no T at all. And it's just Fred and George and Lee just kind of being dicks about it. Could be. Oh, don't forget. You could also be dumb as a troll. Right. But yeah, so it's O for outstanding, E for exceeds expectations, A for acceptable, P for poor, D for dreadful, and possibly T for troll. All of which was our trivia question. Sure was. But at this point, Fred changes the subject and it actually brings it back more to the core of this chapter, wanting to know if any of them have had an inspected lesson yet. Mm-hmm. And Harry says no and asks if he has. And he tells him that they just had one in Charms. And both Harry and Hermione are like, what was it like? Hmm. And he tells him that it really wasn't that bad. She kind of just hung back and made notes. And she asked Alicia some questions about what the class is usually like. And Alicia said that it was good. And she made some more notes. And that was about it. George joins in to say that he doesn't think Flitwick's going to have a problem because he usually gets everyone through their exams just fine. Mm -hmm. And then Fred changes the subject again, wanting to know who they have in the afternoon. When Harry tells him that they have Trelawney, mm -hmm. he says, a tea if I ever saw one. <laughs> Aw. Like, that's funny, Poor but Trelawney. I, I feel so bad for her. <laughs> yeah. Especially since we know what's coming. I know. It's about to get so much worse. Poor baby. And then he also says that they have Umbridge herself. So obviously she's not going to be inspecting herself. Oh, she'll give herself all O's. She'll just be like checking off her clipboard like. I'm good. I'm and good. I'm good. Oh, there. Oh, there. Oh, there. And 10 points to Umbridge because I'm awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, because they have Umbridge that afternoon, George reminds him to keep his shit together mm -hmm. tells him that angelina will do her nut if he misses any more quidditch practices <laughs> and that's a direct quote from the book <laughs> this book is dirty your brain is dirty well yeah <laughs> i mean it's part of my charm <laughs> but just to make things extra fun harry doesn't have to wait until defense against the dark arts to see his favorite teacher oh fun because she shows up to observe Trelawney. The shit show in person. Yep. And the entire class just falls silent. The moment that Pepto Bitch Mall climbs up through that trap door mm -hmm. and asks Trelawney if she got her note about the date and time of her inspection. Yep. And you can tell that Trelawney is not happy about this because she just kind of gives a curt nod. And just tries to keep doing what she's supposed to do. Like, she's just doing her job that yeah. she's been doing for, like, 16 years. Right. And she just keeps on handing out the books. But when she tells them what they're going to be doing in class that day, her voice is actually shaking. So she's totally flustered by this whole thing. Or maybe just so angry that's how it's coming out. It could be either. Or yeah. both. Why not both? Why not? Yeah. I mean, I like to think that she was probably just shitting herself, you know? Because it's nerve-wracking when you're being observed. But when you're being observed by Pepto Bitch Mall, that's gotta feel like an entire weighted blanket is just laid on top of you, but not in a good way, in like a suffocating way. I'm gonna go with the opposite of taking Pepto Bismol. Yeah, I'll give you that. But she tells them that they're gonna continue their study of prophetic dreams and that they're to divide into pairs and start interpreting each other's latest nighttime visions sure. with the aid of the oracle. 
She then starts to go back to her desk so she can sit down. And Umbridge is sitting right next to it. So she just like veers away really quickly. Like not going that way. Oh, God. And instead just moves around the classroom to talk to students, starting with Parvati and Lavender. Well, yeah, start with the stars. Yes. So Harry opens his copy of the Dream Oracle, but he's not actually doing work. He's just trying to look like he's doing work while he kind of just spies on Umbridge. Yeah. I feel like that's like the whole class right now. It would be me for sure. Except for maybe Lavender and Parvati because... Well, yeah, they actually like the class. class. (laughs) They're weird. (laughs) So he just watches her making notes on her clipboard. And then after a few minutes, she gets up and literally just starts following Trelawney around the classroom. And just listens to her and makes more notes and has a couple of conversations with the kids herself. And as they get closer and closer to Rod and Harry, Harry's just like, Ron, think of a dream just in case the old toad comes this way. (laughs) And Ron says, I did it last time. It's your turn. To be fair, I feel like they should both have one on deck just in case. I mean, if they've been doing their dream journals, all they have to do is flip to one of the things they made up. Like, why would you not? Right? It doesn't seem that difficult. Right? Harry doesn't actually remember dreaming anything the last few days. I think he's just been so tired that he hasn't even had his usual Voldemort-filled nightmares. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he suggests that they say he dreamt he was drowning Snape in his cauldron, which I think is valid. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems perfectly likely that that's something he would dream. Yeah. And, of course, Ron laughs at this and opens his book and tries to literally decipher this dream. He's like, would... The subject of the dream be drowning, cauldron, or Snape. And Harry's just like, it doesn't matter. Just pick one. We're just trying to look like we're working. We're not actually working. Just pick one. And he's still just focused on Trelawney and Umbridge. And -hmm. they're now just a table away. And Harry can actually hear Umbridge questioning Trelawney. The first one that he hears being how long she's been in the post. And like I said before... It's been nearly 16 years. Yeah. Bitch Maul wants to know that it was Dumbledore who appointed her, which is accurate. Yeah. And then she brings up the fact that she's the great, great granddaughter of the celebrated seer Cassandra Trelawney. Well, I mean, that bodes well for her, at least. Maybe. Theoretically. But you know Pepto Bitch Maul, she can twist anything she needs to. Because once Trelawney confirms this... Bitch Maul's like, and you're the first in your family since Cassandra to possess second sight? What's it to you, bitch? (laughs) Right? Trelawney tells her that these things often skip three generations. (laughs) Say it with confidence, Trelawney. Just say it with confidence. She doesn't. She's like, they often er, skip three (laughs) generations. This is totally normal. Yeah, totally. And Umbridge makes another note. And then here's the real kicker. She says... Predict something for me. Oh, this moment. And Trelawney clutches her shawl like a scandalized woman. Clutching her pearls. Oh, my stuff. Oh, my stuff. How dare you ask me to predict something for you? What do you think I am? But what she actually says is, I don't understand what you mean. Oh, my stars. I don't understand what you mean by that. Exactly. But Bitch Maul repeats that she wants her to make a prediction for her and Trelawney. Oh, my my stars, the inner eye does not see on command. (laughs) Which just makes Bitch Maul jot down another note while saying, oh, I see. Which I feel Mm -hmm. like that's Pepto Bitch Maul's way of saying, bless your heart. 
Essentially, yeah. Bless your heart, you stupid, stupid child, you. And for somebody as oblivious as Trelawney tends to be, Mm -hmm. she is absolutely picking up on the fact that this is not going well. Yeah. In an attempt to save it, she puts on her usual ethereal voice and says, Wait, wait, I think I do see something. Something dark. Some grave peril. You are in grave danger. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you got a shtick, you got to keep with it, you know? Shtick to it, if you will. Fuck it, really? God damn it, Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Bitch Maul is not impressed. Just finishes up her note and just turns away. Mm Mm-hmm. So this did not go well, and Harry and Ron know that this did not go well. And even though they don't even really like Trelawney all that much, right? they actually kind of feel bad for her because they hate Pepto-Bitchmall so much. Right, yeah. That it kind of puts them on Trelawney's side. I mean, I feel like for Harry and Ron, it's kind of like watching a puppy get kicked. Like, it was a dumb puppy, probably. Yeah. But you still, you don't want to see it get kicked around. That's just sad. No, and they don't. They feel bad for her. At least they do until she angrily swoops down on them and wants to see their dream diary and starts interpreting all of Harry's dreams at the top of her voice. Well, now she's like got something to prove. (laughs) Right. And even the ones where Harry just wrote that he dreamt he was eating porridge. Yeah. Foretell him dying a gruesome and early death. I mean, okay, but here's the thing. I don't entirely blame Trelawney because that's Harry Potter and you've got really good odds of that coming true. On top of that, he kind of does die an early death even if he doesn't actually stay dead. And it's pretty gruesome. Or officially die. Yeah. But still, spoilers. Right. We'll get there. Moving on. Yes. So for the rest of the lesson, Umbridge just keeps taking notes. But then the moment the bell rings, she is the first one down that ladder so that she can get to defense against the dark arts before everybody else. Mm -hmm. And when they arrive, she is already there and she's just humming and smiling her little wide toed smile to herself because she is on top of the fucking world Mm -hmm. with like she is drunk with power. She is high with power. She is just yeah, yeah about the power. I couldn't think of another word. I got that. But power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And this bitch is corrupted AF. I do think that Pepto Bitch Mall is one of the best literary examples of that realistic power corruption mm-hmm. of evil. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. Umbridge is one of those characters that I'm actually amazed that it's so hard to find somebody who likes her at all. Like, you can find people who like Voldemort, for fuck's sake. And he's supposed to be the one who's, like, out there on the streets fucking killing people and doing all this evil shit and getting other people to do his evil shit for him. But for some reason, you could still be like, oh, but he was an orphan. You can find something with Voldemort. He was conceived by a love potion, blah, 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 blah. There are people that make excuses for him. Yeah, you can't find that with Umbridge. And you know why I think that is? Why is that? I think it's because she's more realistic than an evil dark wizard, and everybody knows an Umbridge. Yeah. 
it makes it more personal. It really does. But anyway, yay, now we're in defense against the dark arts. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of students who were still hopeful enough to take their wands out. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Right? She immediately starts class by telling them all to put their wands away. And they sadly return them to their bags. Mm -hmm. And then she tells everybody to turn to page 19 to start chapter 2, Common Defensive Theories and Their Derivation. Again, saying there will be no need to talk. Yeah. I mean, why start now, right? She smiles that super power drunk, self-satisfied smile. Mm -hmm. And then just goes and sits at her desk while the entire class is just like, (sighs) page 19. (laughs) Shouldn't we be further through this class by now? Isn't it June? I thought it was June. Right? We should be towards the end of this book at this point. Harry starts wondering if there's going to be enough chapters for them to make it through the whole year. And he's actually going to start like flipping through the whole book to see how long it is and how many chapters there are and like count out the weeks. Because that's far better than actually reading the chapter. (laughs) Yeah. But he gets distracted by Hermione's hand in the air again. And this should be good. Of course. But having learned from last week... Bitch Mall doesn't want a repeat of the class just barking things at her mm-hmm. and arguing. So she comes from around her desk, leans over Hermione's desk and whispers to her, what is it this time? <laughs> Hermione tells her that she already read chapter two. I've done it. I did the work. I already did the work. I did this. What do you want me to do? Yeah. So Bitch Mall tells her, well, then go on to chapter three. And she's like, I read that too. Actually, I've already read the whole book. So Bitch Mall says, well, if that's the case, you should be able to tell me what Slinkhard said about counter jinxes in chapter 15. And Hermione, in one of her most glorious Hermione moments, just says he thinks that counter jinxes are improperly named and that it's just a name that people give to their jinxes when they want to make them sound more acceptable. Sweetheart, Umbridge, honey, did you just try to come correct for Hermione? She doesn't know yet. She knows now. Oh, she actually raises her eyebrows. She's impressed against her will Mm -hmm. at Hermione just being able to recite that answer off the top of her head. Yeah. But this is very short lived as Hermione follows her answer up by saying that she disagrees. Well, yeah, she goes too far. (laughs) I feel like Hermione is testing the waters right now. Mm hmm. She started off with her toe and then for some reason decided to jump all of the way in because this didn't end well for her in the end. And she kind of didn't play the game very well. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. But it was still really fun to read because Umbridge is still whispering and she says, why do you disagree? And Hermione, not whispering at all, (laughs) just announces for the whole class to hear that Mr. Slinkheart doesn't like jinxes, does he? But I think they can be very useful when they're used defensively. (laughs) Like I said, just jumps right in. Oh, yeah. And at this point, Umbridge just completely gives up the whispering. And she stands back up and loudly informs Hermione that that's cute, but it's not your opinion that matters. Mm-hmm. It's Mr. Slinkheart's opinion, not yours. Yeah. And then when Hermione tries to argue this, Bitchmull takes five points away from Gryffindor. I mean, nobody can be that surprised, right? 
I don't think anybody was surprised, but they certainly weren't happy about it. Yeah. Especially Harry, who, I mean, that boy doesn't stick a toe in. He just dove right in. Just caps lock Harry. What for? Yeah. And even though he didn't raise his hand, Bitch Maul decides she's going to answer his question and explains that she took those points away for interrupting her class with pointless interruptions. She's there to teach them using a ministry-approved method that does not involve inviting students to give their opinions on matters about which they understand very little. I mean, you obviously don't know Hermione. Very obviously. <laughs> Did we mention that her nickname is Pepto Bitch Maul? Uh, yeah. But just in case acting like Hermione's not all that intelligent wasn't bitch mall enough, <laughs> she goes on to say that their previous teachers may have given them more license in sharing their opinions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But with the exception of Quirrell, who at least stuck to age-appropriate subjects, none of their past teachers would have passed a ministry inspection. This is actually one of my favorite caps lock Harry moments. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. I mean, he's already swimming, so why not just go for it? Yep. He just loudly blurts out, Yeah, Quirrell was a great teacher aside from the minor drawback of having Lord Voldemort sticking out of the back of his head. Ooh. This proclamation was followed by one of the loudest silences that Harry has ever heard, which I love that description. Mm-hmm. And then Umbridge tells him that she thinks he needs another week of detentions. Do you know what that means, Ellen? What? That means it's time to talk about the movie. I think this is going to be fun. We're going to have a really good time here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to learn the bare minimum of a ton of information in the span of just a few minutes? Do you love books, but prefer your movies to be more like a 12-year-old copy of Cliff's Notes that was partially eaten by your dog? Well, let me tell you, buckle up, Buttercup, because we are about to dive headfirst into a montage. Let the extreme lining commence. Mm-hmm. We start off discovering that Pepto Bitchmall has gone and created her own promotion and is now the new slash only ever High Inquisitor of Hogwarts. We see the Daily Prophet proclaiming that the Ministry is going ham on some good old educational reform, which, if her first class is anything to go by, these students better prepare for some magical abstinence-only education up in this bitch. Because <laughs> that works. Right? <laughs> Very effective. But then we see more newspaper headlines stating such bullshit as parents endorse ministry move and minister begs to be railed by educational decree number 69. I think you made that one up. <laughs> what? That was totally in there. But here in this montage start, we at least mm -hmm. have reference to an article about the High Inquisitor. Yes, a number of them actually. Yes. Yes. So this gives Bitch Maul an even haughtier spring in her step as she makes her way down the halls, just waving her wand purposefully to stop some PDA and forcefully introducing the tails of the boys' shirts to their ass cracks. But we also see her beginning a rather soul-numbing and anxiety-inducing round of teacher observations, starting with Trelawney. But right here, we actually have a deleted scene. It's just Umbridge showing up in the class. Doesn't she ask her if she got the date and time? 
yeah, she walks in kind of almost in the middle of the class. Trelawney's kind of taken by surprise. And Umbridge is like, oh, you got the notification that I was coming today, right? And Trelawney's kind of, uh, yeah. And she's just very wary of the whole thing, as we all are, really. Right. And I don't blame her at all, even with that note. No, not at all. I kind of get why they cut the scene, because it wasn't really needed. We have all the awkwardness already. Like, the awkwardness is there in the montage that we get. Yeah, I don't think it would have flowed with the whole montage. No. I kind of think it worked better the way they did it. But moving on, we continue with the Hogwarts High Inquisition, which was almost as unexpected as the Spanish one. No one expects the Hogwarts Inquisition. Nope, not at all. We get to see Snape being bombarded with questions from Pepto Bitch Mall about his inability to get the position he really wanted. And she does all she can to call him a giant pathetic loser without once using any of those actual words. This is actually one of my favorite Snape lines. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just because of the way he would draw things out. But it's one of the most fun ones to obviously say it as long and slow as possible. Right. Because Alan Rickman, man. Oh, he's aces, man. He's just aces. That's all there is to it. But Ron, obviously enjoying this turn of events for once, gives a not very well hidden chortle. While Snape side-eyes the fuck out of him. (laughs) I feel like Ron's just like, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but worth it. 100% worth it. (laughs) I think you're giving Ron too much credit. I don't think he thinks before he does things like that. Well, that is true. (laughs) I also think that if he did, though, he wouldn't care still. (laughs) But Snape just gives his, you know, obviously. And waits until she leaves before whapping the Weasley upside the back of his head. (laughs) Then, for her next magic trick to suck the life and fun out of Hogwarts, we see Umbridge come up on the Weasley twins playing some kind of game which essentially looks like a sparkly hacky sack or like an electric hacky sack. It's like they're playing catch with a sparkler. Yeah. Or like a little glitter fireball. I don't know what it is. It's very odd, but you know what? It looks fun and interesting. And Umbridge kind of thinks the same thing. She's like, oh, fun. Well, we can't have any of that. (laughs) Heavens no. And she just sucks their little light hacky sack thing right into her wand and walks away without even a word. Like, this bitch is cold. She earned that Pepto bitch mall. Right? Ice Ice Baby. But moving on with the bitch-o-rama montage, we see Filch hanging yet another plaque on the wall, which gives us a view of most of the plaques that he has hung so far. And there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. We then see Umbridge looking pretty goddamn proud of herself, walking up the aisle of her classroom as her students sit in silence and don't learn shit. Oh, that's not true. They totally learn how to not do magic. Well... However, we could turn that around and say, I'm sitting here learning how to not do magic right now. But you're not supposed to be learning how to do magic right now. I guess that is true, yeah. We do get a view of a few more educational decrees, mainly number 30, banning all Weasley products, and number 45, stating that bitches need to dress and act proper. We see Umbridge again, still with that smug, smug smile on her silly fucking face as she walks down the aisle of the classroom. Which, I mean, to her, you know, she won. Me, personally, if I was a giant cunt, I'd be smug too. Yeah. 
but we then see Filch having just hung another educational decree, yet another one, and he's holding his ladder on his shoulder as he turns to look at all of the wonderful decor he so lovingly and carefully adorned the Hogwarts walls with. And of course it's Filch. He's nothing if not bumbling, and he just pays no attention to all the children surrounding him as he, like, swings the ladder around, and they have to duck to avoid getting beamed in the damn head with it. And then, just to make sure they're really on their toes, he spins the other way, because why not, right? Luckily for them, no one actually gets hit, much to Filch's chagrin, obviously. But then we go right back to the divination classroom, where Umbridge is still grilling Trelawney. Pepto Bitchmall then asks her to predict something for her. Trelawney stares at her, mouth agape, as she just shits her pants. Like, really, at that point, she could have just predicted that a terrible smell was about to come over the room. And that wouldn't have been wrong, you know, but she doesn't think about that because she's just completely taken aback. She was definitely in the freeze moment of fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm, definitely. Deer in headlights. We then join Professor Flitwick's class slash choir practice, whatever it may be, as Umbridge observes and doubles down on the audacity by at one point taking out a magical tape measure and seeing how tall Flitwick actually is. As if height is what makes a teacher. You think she's wondering if he is some sort of half-breed and that's why he's short? Me, in my head, I was just going like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, that's all you really can do in that situation. Mm -hmm. That's exactly yeah. what his face did. Luckily, I mean, I guess Flitwick seems to meet the minimum requirements, whatever they are, because then we just go right back to Trelawney's classroom, where Umbridge just asks for one teensy little prophecy. Just one. And Trelawney is legit just dumbfounded. Really unsure of what the hell to do. But Umbridge takes that as her answer and says, Pity, while marking away on her little clipboard of doom. She then starts to make her way out of the classroom, but Trelawney stops her, saying, Wait, wait, no, I got something. And just grabs an old favorite out of the vault, telling Umbridge that she is in grave danger. I mean... Hell, it's worked for like the last umpteen years, right? Can't go wrong with a classic. Sure. But Bitch Mall just looks at her for a moment before saying, Lovely. And makes another tick on her clipboard before leaving the room and everyone in it unsure of what the hell to do with the rest of class time. Because how do you follow that up? You don't. Yeah. You don't. No. So the bulk of this montage seemed to cover the issues yeah. with Trelawney. It was definitely the focus. Yeah. But it also made it appear as though that was spread over a longer amount of time with all of the different decrees getting hung on the wall and multiple observations mm -hmm. happening within one montage. And the chapter was really just focusing on that one day. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why it was really difficult to line this stuff up. So yeah. Yeah. Because it didn't just all happen at once. Yeah, but there were quite a few direct quotes, direct things that happen in the books pulled into this montage, mm -hmm. like the deleted scene where she asked her if she got the date and time, like the predict something for me, you know? Yeah, the you are in grave danger. I actually liked the fact that in the movie, Umbridge looked at Trelawney and said, lovely, after she predicted she was mm -hmm. in grave danger, because that was not in the book. In the book, she just looks at her and makes a note. Yeah. 
it was definitely a nice addition. <laughs> I do kind of love the way that responding to being told you're in grave danger with the word lovely is just ironically yeah. entertaining. <laughs> definitely. It is not what you would expect. No, not at all. Now, this still kind of all fit together because I got to pick where I split it. Mm -hmm. But next week... It's a little bit more of a shit show. Yeah, hold on to your hats, guys. Nothing that happens in that section happens in the second half of this chapter. Well, why would it? And I think it just keeps getting worse until it does get a little bit better. But getting ahead of ourselves, we can actually just move on to, I would say, our new actor section slash returning actor section. Yeah. But because of the way they set up that montage, it's kind of difficult to do that yeah nobody really did anything mm -hmm. most of them will get to do something again later too so we can actually just save them for their next moment but warwick davis was really the only one who doesn't have a later scene yeah exactly so i kind of feel the need to talk about him a little bit at least yeah we'll mention him here he did a fantastic what the fuck face when right. she measured him <laughs> honest to god it was pretty great yeah. And he directed that choir like a pro. He did. He was great. And he's always great. Warwick Davis is an amazing actor. He is An great. amazing dude. But that's about it. Everybody else will get to talk about in future episodes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Which lets us move right on to our Potter Pondering. And this week, we want to know what are your thoughts on how the movie montaged all the teacher inspections? Yep. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. And this will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Megan Slater. A.K.A. our episode sponsor. Megan says, hi, Ellen and Katie. Megan here, delighted to share my sorting hat story. First, I'm a proud Gryffindor. It suits me well with my passion for adventure. My wand is sycamore wood with a unicorn core, 10 inches, and reasonably supple flexibility. My Patronus is the Marsh Harrier, which I think is quite perfect for me, actually, since I've always said that if I could have one superpower, it would be to fly. Plus, I live in the Finger Lakes region of New York State, which is a very popular birding location. My love of Harry Potter started on my ninth birthday. My twin brother Michael and I received the second and third books as presents from our friends Nicholas and Mackenzie. I remember their mom explaining that they couldn't find the first book, but had heard great things about the series and really wanted to get them for us. So our parents decided to read Chamber of Secrets to us first, telling us that if we liked it, they'd get the first book for us. The next time I see them, I'm going to thank them again, because obviously we loved it. It was the perfect present. So our introduction to the Potterverse was a little unique for us in that we ended up reading book two, then book one, then book three. Had to wait for book four and the others to come out. But it was just as magical. Growing up with Harry, I always identified very much with him. He was the main character, and I loved learning about the Wizarding World and all its mysteries alongside him. But we also share a birthday. In fact, Michael and I were born on the very day that Harry found out he was a wizard. It's just so special to me. 
I cherish this series and the friends I've made thanks to it. Speaking of that, Ellen and Katie, I commend you for your work on this podcast. It is so fun to listen and reread slash rewatch in time with the episodes now that I finally caught up a few months ago. I'm thrilled to be sponsoring this episode and I'm honored to be a part of the trivia competition and the patron group. I'm so lucky to have you all as my friends now. Harry Potter is such a wonderful way to connect with people and make new friends. For example, I spent my 25th birthday in Toronto with two of my best friends, Hillary and Caitlin, and we started our night out at a fantastic Harry Potter-themed bar, where we met other Potterheads and had the best time. This year, my twin brother and I will be celebrating our birthday together for the first time in 10 years. We're turning 31 on the 31st, so we're going all out. I'll conclude with a shout out to Michael. Thanks for coming home from the other side of the country so that we could celebrate our birthdays together. It's going to be one hell of an Expelliarmus. <laughs> I love her. I know. I love her so much. There's just so much all mm-hmm. about that whole sorting hat story. Not to mention the fact that it's only gone further to convince me that she is me. She, you know what? You guys are very, very similar. Yeah. That is incredibly true. Yes. And I know I mean that as a compliment. Katie probably does. I do. (laughs) I definitely do. I love Megan. I meant that she was like me. I love Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Megan. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, What is Harry's class working on vanishing in Transfiguration when Professor Umbridge shows up to inspect Professor McGonagall? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag him him will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. We also just want to take one more moment to thank Megan for sponsoring this episode and to wish her and her brother Michael a very happy birthday since it's just a few days away. Yes, Megan, once again, you are amazing and we appreciate you so much. Happy birthday to you and Michael. We also have an audio clip from Megan that we wanted to share with you all. She had her own little message that she wanted to send about our podcast and being part of it as a patron. And here it is. Hey, Ellen and Katie, it's Megan. I'm just calling to thank you for airing my episode so close to my birthday. Quick shout out to my brother. Happy birthday. And of course, to Harry. (laughs) I just thought that I would send you a 
little message just to tell you how much I appreciate you for your hard work. I found your podcast much earlier on this year. I had just finished re-listening to the series on Audible, and I thought, you know, I really would love to be able to talk about this in more depth, you know, hear other people's opinions, really obsess over the details. So I decided to look for a podcast, but there were way too many. It was overwhelming. So I did some research on what are the best Harry Potter podcasts, and I found yours listed as a book movie compare contrast podcast. And so I just thought, oh my gosh, this exists. That's amazing. That's exactly what I want <laughs> because I'm the type of person that will watch the movies and have to pause it and then explain at length about, well, this is, you know, really that's not how that happened because in the book it was like this and it happened earlier on and yada yada. So <laughs> really I understand that what you guys are doing, it is very time consuming. And I just, I really appreciate it so much. So I just thought maybe if I could help show my appreciation, it could help keep you guys going through because I know that you're thinking about possibly changing the name of a podcast. And I know that that's really stressful with also rebranding. It would take even more time. So I just thought I would send a little message just to let you guys know how much I appreciate you, how much I love your podcast. And I will listen to you no matter what you are called. Because in the words of William Shakespeare, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Love you guys and thank you. Aw, thank you, Aww, Megan. Yeah. Thank you so much. That means so much to us, honestly. And if any of you other keepers listening have considered being a patron but don't think you can commit to a monthly amount, sponsoring an episode could be another option for you. Depending on the amount, it will absolutely still get you some perks. Definitely. Send us a message over social media or email us and we can figure that all out. And again, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. To be sure that we have time to switch our name over, we are going to take a week off. But we will be back the week after to talk about the second half of Chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor, and... These sort of, kind of, but not really corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And for the final time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling. See you in a couple of weeks with our shiny new name and find us on Facebook to vote for your favorite. <laughs>